Hey guys, welcome back and a belated Happy New Year to you all. I hope you've had a good one. Let's get back into it in style. This episode, I was joined by theatre combat instructor and owner of Sons of Obi-Wan Sabre Academy, Luke Boyton. Now, I first met Luke when I was filming at Comic-Con in Sydney last year, last September, I think it was, and I was introduced to his school. And I was intrigued by the ethos. They're basically teaching their students life skills and resilience through theatre combat and lightsaber skills. Yeah, you heard it right, lightsaber. The guys actually manufacture their own corporate grade lightsaber that you can smash against other sabers. So it's pretty epic. We get into all of that in due course. But I actually was so intrigued that I visited the temple, which is their training facility in New South Wales, Tugra, to shoot a little short doc about the school. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description to find that as well. And it was here when I was shooting that I learned about the great work that Luke and his staff were doing through the school but I also got a glimpse at the man behind it all and the fascinating life that he's lived so far. So following that we got a date in the diary and I got him down to Sydney to have a good chinwag. In our chat we trace Luke's life and influences from the fires in which he was formed dealing with his mum's psychopathic behaviour as a child to leaving home at a young age to DJ professionally around Australia and the world for years and years until later in life when he came to teaching and founding the Sons of Obi-Wan Academy. He's an incredibly interesting, well-read and humble guy who had much wisdom to bestow. So I hope there's some pearls in here that speak to you and if nothing else, there are a few good reading recommendations to get around. I just finished June that he recommended to me and I can give it three solid thumbs up. For those who don't know, by the way, theater combat is a safe non-contact activity that is suitable for all fitness levels and abilities. And it's kind of like, a choreographed dance to make it look like real fighting. When I was filming at the academy, it looked, it was full on. Like I was like, oh shit, these guys need to calm down. It was, it was good, it was very good. The Sons of Obi-Wan staff provide training in European longsword, balintawak, which is Filipino stick fighting, spinning and tricking combined with movement, athletic and performance skills. So there we go. And uh, Luke actually trained under one of the main fight choreographers for Star Wars, so you know he's got the real moves. You can look up Loop School and keep up to date with everything they've got going on via their website, which is sonsofobi1.com. I'll leave a link in the description again. Thanks as always for listening, and without further ado, let's get into it. This is very civilised doing out in the park. I've done a few of these, and you're normally buried in a studio in totally, the dark yeah. somewhere. Yeah. No windows, that no. kind of vibe, don't know what time of day it is. <laughs> But here we are in beautiful Alexandria Park in Redfern. And g'day, guys. Welcome back to So How Did I Get Here with me, Sam Laxton. And today I'm joined by a very special man by the name of Luke Boyton. And he is, amongst many other things, the creator, founder, and head uh, instructor so of that'll do. Yeah. the Sons of Obi-Wan Lightsaber Academy up in Tugra, which is about an hour north of Sydney. And we got chatting, didn't we? Well, I met you at uh, Supernova. Correct, sir. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. mate, not at all. Not at all. And um, yeah, we just hit it off. Awesome work that you're doing with the Sons of Obi-Wan. And that Thank enticed you. me from the off. And then I found out that you're a bit of an onion. Layers of interest uh, to Yes, you. I've done a lot of very random things in my life, yeah. Yeah, love it. So I said I had to get you on the podcast. So thanks very much for making the journey down no, to chat thank to you. Oh, class. So as we do in these ones, we begin at the beginning. Yeah. Where were you born? 
I was born at Warunga, grew up in Castle Hill, which is uh, northern suburbs. Uh-huh. Uh, mum and dad split when I was four. Mm-hmm. Had a rough childhood. Mm. Uh, my mum was basically a psychopath, so mm. lots of psychological, emotional and physical stuff mm. sort of right the way through. Mm. She's six foot one and built like me, so wow. it made it interesting. Yeah. Um, for and those you live with her? Uh, yeah, yeah, she brought me up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always seeking an escape. I was pretty much housebound. I had to raise my, my brother and mum was working 12-hour days, so mm. I had to be home and do all the cooking and cleaning and everything from a young age. Mm. It's a hell of a lot of responsibility <coughs> to take on straight off the bat. Yeah, yeah. It was It was, It was. was a fire in which I was forged. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be who I am today if a lot of what I developed as survival skills turned out to be quite useful mm. out in the real world later. Mm. Yeah, so Did average you... student, pretty bored. <laughs> That's why I became a teacher, because school sucked for me. Yeah, so you wanted to alter it for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, epic. And taking on all that responsibility, did you find time to be a kid yourself? No, no. no. I, I didn't have much of a childhood at all. Like, mm. I was, I'm talking... Mum spent five years trying to convince me I was schizophrenic just to see if she could. Really? She was doing a psych degree. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of, I get up in the morning and she goes, what are the voices saying? And I'm like, what voices? She goes, you know the voices? What are they saying type thing? But she didn't realise I was reading her psych books at night. So I'd go, all right, she's just hit page 47, rock on. No right. stress. That's sort of what kept me sane and got me interested in psychology in the first place and um yeah it was it was interesting it was an interesting little uh environment to grow up in yeah yeah quite so are you still in touch with her today uh no she's dead now i stopped talking to her when i was 23 mm-hmm. um it's sort of it was sort of hard because she was my world you mm-hmm. know like of it was it was sort of weird because i didn't realize i had a rough childhood until i left home oh, of course like um, goldfish not knowing what water is isn't it that's it. it yeah you know i was at uni like i've been a dj for nearly 30 years as well and yeah. i worked the night before and this is up in armadale mm. And I um, woke up the next afternoon, because that's what you do when you're 19 and have access to free alcohol when you're DJing. And I went and called mum and then went and sat at the table and all my mates were like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, oh, I just spoke to mum. And they're like, oh, what did she say? And I'm just, oh, the usual stuff. I'm fat and I'm ugly and I can't believe that she's paying all this money for me to go to uni and everything. And I'm just talking. And the table went really quiet. And I went like, what's wrong? And they're like, you're joking, aren't you? And I'm like, no, it was a good call. I didn't cry, you know. And that's when they're like, dude, your mother shouldn't be talking to you like that. Does she tell you she loves you? And I'm like, no, no, not really. Mm. And that's when it sort of hit. Mm. And um, it was, I went through about a year of just acting out, I guess, Mm. you know. And um, didn't like where I was going. And I sort of realised that I was 20 and I had no idea who I was. Most people sort of hit the world knowing who they are. And I didn't, so I just started, because like I didn't get to do anything when I was a kid, didn't get to play sport, didn't get to learn a musical instrument, that's why I started DJing, because mm. if I went out to a gig, they had all the gear there, see, you yeah. know, and I'd borrow music off other people, um, like music and music and movies were my escape. Yeah, yeah. And then I just went on a journey, just anything that tickled my interest, I went and had a stab at, which is why I've got the onions, because mm. the other layers, you know, because yeah. I just... 
you never know unless you give it a stab and it tends to lead you in a lot of strange directions. Yeah. Incredible, man. What a journey. What a journey. So taking you back to uh, the DJ days, yeah. what, was, um, what was your first gig? Can you remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a thing called the Interschool Entertainment Committee. Oh, yeah. When I was in year 10 and they would put on dance parties. It was primarily for kids to learn lighting and sound. Mm-hmm. Um, the first gig was in front of 10,000 kids. Wow. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. First song deep I, end, much. Yeah, yeah. First song I played was The Power by Snap. Yes. Um, start strong, start as you intend to carry on kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I did that once and got the bug. So I just started hanging out at Kinsella's. It was like, it was 1990, so that was Australia's Summer of Love. That's when House sort of really hit. Yeah. And I just hung out in there and just started DJing. I started DJing when I was 15. Because wow. I was six foot six and 180 kilos, so I was bigger than most of the bouncers. So people knew, yeah, didn't know that you were that young. Yeah, yeah you know, and it was back in uh, the days of paper... Uh, IDs as well so you can yeah. sneak around but um, yeah I just used to jump out my window at night and go into town and DJ and wow. that sort of stuff and I did that for three years and you then paid at this point? This was, um, was it? I started Alcohol. seriously getting paid when I was 17 Wow, so up not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was the resident DJ up there Thursday and Saturday night. So I went to uni in Armadale to get away from mum. Yeah. Started doing a science degree. Mm-hmm. Um, DJing out in the country. So trying to champion house and getting stuck playing a lot of cold chisel and sort of country rock. Nice. Um, and then I was just a working DJ from then on in. I DJed in Armadale for four years. I was in Coffs Harbour for two years at mm-hmm. the Hoi Moe and... Um, the saloon bar and all those places and then around the central coast for 20 years i've dj'd all up and down australia i've done planet x games warp tour um dj'd with a who's who of australian music because i was there when they were the same as me when they were just starting yeah of course yeah um you know mixed overseas Epic. Yeah. So this is sort of my retirement. <laughs> Incredible, man. I'm just so, getting back into it, actually. Oh, just really? for fun. Yeah, just Sunday Arvo just sessions on decks. vinyl. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Good on you, man. So yeah. from the outside, of course, the uh, DJ lifestyle is incredibly glamorous and that. But to those more acquainted with it, like late nights, lots of travel, stuff like that, that was it Was it all right for you? Did it take its toll or were you, um, you took I, it in your stride? No, I wasn't a big drinker. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I sort of worked 90 hours a week and did uni for oh, 10 or 12 years. Wow, uni on top of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jesus, man. I worked, um, so this is when I'm starting about 23. Mm. Um, I was working full-time for HMV. You'd know HMV. I do indeed, his master's in voice. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big music store on the coast. Yeah. Worked there five days a week, a DJ four nights a week, worked at a recording studio one night a week and Whoa. did uni on the Mondays externally. Oh, my God, wow. So yeah. um, what? everything is very music and then you're doing a science degree. What was this science degree? I did science because I've always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I wanted to be a history teacher. I've been fascinated with history since I used to talk to my pop when I was a kid. I'll yeah. tell you about him in a sec. Yeah. yeah. Um, but mum said teachings you do something you do when you can't do anything else. So she said the only way I'll let you go to uni is to do science. Did I was going to be a marine biologist. I uh, hit organic chemistry and my head caved in. So then I dropped out and then I went back when I was 23 doing a double major in English and history through popular culture. There you go. So you returned to what you yeah. originally wanted to do. Yeah. That's class. So yeah, tell me a bit about your pops. Oh, right. So my pop, 
um, was in World War Two. Mm. Uh, he was in the Air Force. Um, never used to talk about his service much. No. Uh, never went to Anzac days and that sort of thing. He sure. told me he was involved with the radar stations across the top of Australia that would um, warn Darwin when they were getting bombed and stuff. He used to tell me a lot of stories about eating dugongs with the natives and stuff. Wow. And I kept digging for information because there was something he wasn't telling me. Oh, and of course, yeah. um, I eventually found out he was one of the first people in Australia that knew how radar worked. Whoa. And he was literally the guy that set up the stations and got them running. He used to have to carry around a poison pill with him. Really? He didn't tell me this until just before he died. Wow. Um, I suppose, because yeah, he, scouts on kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Old school like that. He yeah. said, um, I made a promise mm-hmm. back in the day. And I'm like, Pop, I could make a better, you know, radar at Radio Shack. And he goes, I gave him a word. Yeah. But just before he died, he gave me the full story. But I spent 20 years trying to work out what the hell he was doing because wow. he'd name islands and then I'd try and work out what was going on. Like that's where I got into history and Pop got me into Japanese culture as well because yeah. um, <clears throat> when he got back from the war, he couldn't work out how the Japanese did what they did. Mm. So he really got into Japanese culture and he got me into bonsai and wow. James Clavell and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, my Pop was a pretty big... I used to spend a lot of time with Pop. I was going to say, Nana yeah, Pop. it sounds like you had a bit more of an agreeable relationship. Why didn't you end up shacking up with him? Or? Uh, to a point, my mum was quite a dominating woman and everyone was scared of her. So mm. she would set the tone and everyone would fall in line behind yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time with Nana Pop in the holidays because mm. mum was always working like my mum ran black tan methadone unit for mm. 10 years so mm. she was really heavily involved in uh drug and alcohol education and stuff mm. and then she was a uh, head of welfare in the new south wales prison system for 20 years so she was a very you know tough woman yeah right yeah um but yeah so i used to spend a lot of time with them so pop was the guy that got me into reading he'd take me down to the library and he'd show me how to trim the bonsais and that sort of stuff Amazing. so and how yeah. do you trim the bonsais Dude, just seeing the tree inside, you know, and then bringing that tree out and then just looking after it. As in, uh, like, you envisage what what you think the tree looks like and you craft that. (laughs) Um, I my bonsai are actually more Chinese style, so Japanese style is very direct. Like we're going to wrap you in wire and bend the crap out of you until you go to where I want you to be. So I actually do more the Chinese style, which is trimming to bring the inner tree out. It's a sort of different philosophy. Interesting. But Pop, yeah, he didn't like telling. Like my Pop was a was a cop. Okay, so my pop was a—he was in the air force and then he was a cop, so and he was, a, yeah, but he was a very soft dude that ended up in a very hard job. So he spent all day telling everyone exactly how they wanted to be. So when he was doing his bonsai, he wanted to let the inner bonsai out. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. was his release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fascinating. That's yeah. yeah, incredible. I've never. I have a little bonsai tree myself, but yeah. I've never looked up the art of... It's tai, Taipei, Taipang, I think is the Chinese version. I can't remember off the top of my head. Right. But yeah, um, yeah that's, it's, it's just a different philosophy towards creating oh, the tree, yeah. And, it, and the whole practice, it's kind of, what, it's meditative or what, what's the... How would you sum up the practice? I swear to God, I was undiagnosed ADHD. That's why I got into model building as mm. well. It mm. teaches your patience and... It's for me, it's finding the tree without destroying the tree because it's very easy to keep cutting until you end up with a twig, mm, you know, or a trunk. Mm, mm. So for me, it's that taking your time to work out 
where the tree is now, where you want it to be, what needs to go, what needs to stay. Oh, it's fascinating. That sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's nuts. why I'm gonna I really look it love up. it. I'm so keen for this. Dude, you only do it once a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is but it what, you only have one cut a year and then... Pretty much, left. yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I suppose I, it's like getting a haircut and one year hair longer. It doesn't, doesn't happen. There You've are some people it. that are more aggressive with it, but I like to get it to where I want it and then see where it is in a year and then readjust, if that makes sense. Whereas yeah. the Japanese, they'll have a picture in their head and they yeah. will wire it and make it become the tree they want it uh-huh. to become. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Like like having some sort of guide for a vine to grow up. Yeah, correct. More, more rigid than that. Yeah. Right? Fascinating. Well, there you go. That's cool. Yeah. So you mentioned your uh, model building yeah. just there. So tell me about that. I know you've got back into it recently, but have you? did you do it in the past a lot as well? Um, I wanted to be a pilot when I was a kid because my pop was in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, my whole room was covered in aircraft posters and I had models hanging from the roof and I loved Top Gun and I hit the height cut off at 12. So wow. I couldn't. That's what I always wanted to be was a pilot or a teacher. What's and, the height cut off? Uh, five foot eight. Five foot eight. Yeah, because wow. in the American Air Force, you can nominate what you want to fly. So mm. therefore... If you're six foot six like me, you can go, I want to fly transport. So then they'll train you to fly transports. Sure. Whereas with the Australian Air Force, they train you and they decide what you're best suited for. So they wouldn't train you and then go, oh, you're perfect for fighters. Oh, you don't fit in. Because if you're any taller than five foot eight, when you're ejected, it rips your legs off because of the the, the dashboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good Lord. So, that's, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this was your manifestation of being a pilot then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, just history as well, yeah. you know. Um, so modi- what kind of model building would you do? I'm oh, sorry, I did I'm aircraft sitting, for yeah, 30, yeah. 30 years. I used to do it as a job for a while as well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to work at the original collectible shop in Sydney. It was called oh. um, Sheriff's Mini Cars down in Parramatta. Yeah. And it was, uh, I was their Bible, Star Wars buyer and seller. Like, Ooh. I've obviously been a Star Wars fan for a million years. Mm. And... Um, they sold a lot of garage kits and stuff down there. So if people wanted something but they couldn't build it, they'd pay me to build it. No way. Amazing. But, That's but, like a lot of kids' dreams, isn't it, getting paid to do airfix stuff? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, I was building a lot of Star Wars stuff and aliens and, mm. you know, power lifters and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. class. Yeah. All right, I'm trying to timestamp this because you've got so many different careers and jobs. I, so. Dude, welcome to my world. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, all right, let's go back to around, what, early 20s when you were yep. DJing full-time. Yep. Um, is that when HMV is, was as well? So yep. you finished your degree? Uh, no, I dropped out. So of the, of the, the science, No, no, I dropped yep. out of the science degree. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I hit uni when I was 17, dropped out when I was 19. Yeah, came back. Then I just DJed around for a while mm-hmm. and that, that was my um, Gotham missing years period where I... Um, Studied all the great religions. I was spiritual and didn't know what I wanted to be, and wow. ended up studying under a Lama for two years, really? a, a Tibetan Lama. Yeah, whereabouts? Armadale, believe really? it or not. Yeah, yeah, it's the one of the highest points in Australia. So it's got a little Tibetan population up there. Fascinating. So I really got into Tibetan Buddhism. That was what got me into a better headspace. Interesting. You know, yeah. um, the first tenet of Buddhism is life is suffering. Mm. So when you understand that suffering happens it makes it easier to deal with the suffering mm. and that's where i got into meditation and mm. i just went out and did archery just anything that tickled my i was finding who i was Fucking you know hell, i was like just tom cruise in last samurai or something it, very much so you know like it's ju- it's just that hero's journey where you've got to find where you are yeah you know, i'm not saying i'm a hero i'm talking about joseph campbell's hero's journey yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um 
yeah, I just didn't know who I was. So mm. anything that tickled my fancy, as I said, I got into bow hunting for a couple of years and archery and stuff and got into, you know, model building and, and martial arts. That's where I really started getting into martial arts. Uh, I didn't start doing martial arts until I was 20. Okay. Um, and did over 15 years. I did six different styles. Wow. What was your favorite? Uh, Aikido. Uh, Ninjutsu was my first because I wanted to. I was into the turtles, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Who isn't? Uh, majored in um, Psy because Raphael was my favourite. Yeah. Psy and Sword. Um, that was my core one. But Aikido is a passive martial art. I'm not a. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh-huh. So Aikido is very much about um, using your opponents strength uh, or energy against them mm. so as opposed to japanese sort of something like karate which is very hard if you come at me with force i will block with force mm. this is more if you come at me i will redirect your energy so you move away from me so yeah. spiritually that sort of aligned with me um and the Balintawaka screamer stuff, Filipino stick fighting, I really, that, that was good fun because I didn't, every other martial art except those two, you have to go through a couple of years of hand-to-hand before you get to weapons, whereas that one, they, they do weapons the first level. and then they go into hand-to-hand later. That's cool. Yeah. Um, they were my two favourites, but Fantastic. I had to learn how to look after myself because I was dealing with drunks every night. Like That's why I really like the Aikido, you know. Um, I was professionally dealing with drunks. So that's what a DJ is, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, you'd have... What, scuffles in the booth? Oh, d- dudes would want to bottle you because you wouldn't play cold chisel for the fifth time. Really? Yeah, yeah, man. So I wanted to learn to defend myself in a way that would protect me because if you punch a dude in the head, yeah, that's assault. But if you, yeah, so true. you know, yeah. like deflect him off or get him into a lock or... Bi- I was a big fan of bitch slapping. Oh, yeah? Um, if, you, if you have a guy in fight mode mm. and you punch him, he knows what's happening and he will punch you back. Whereas yeah. if you give him a good backhander across the face and knocks him out of fight mode really? and robs them, of ma- robs them of their masculinity and it stops fights 85% of the time. What? Yeah. So what happens? What? All right, here we are. I'm in fight mode. All right, Luke, let's go. Let's go. Boom. What's my re- what reaction after you uh, bitch that? Shock. Me? Yeah. And they, what did you do that for? Because you deserved it, and they're like, "Yeah, I didn't just walk off." Because it knocks Ooh. them out. It knocks them out of fight mode because it's something they're not. It's something. Expecting. It's breaking the pattern. Yeah, that's so it. true. Yeah. Um, I heard a really interesting. Oh, it might have been. I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about where if a guy's picking you, yeah. go, "Geez, those bricks over there, or gee, that wall looks funny over there." Same idea. It snaps them out of wall. What wall? What's wrong with the? And by the time they've tried to work out what you're talking about, it snapped them out of fight mode yeah it's a it's psychology of fighting rather than you know knocking them into submission you jedi mind tricker man yeah 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 that's class yeah that's class so you when you when you say you studied for two years was this like a full-time jobby is this like an hour at night what what no 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 i did two years full-time full-time yeah for science i was living on campus wow Uh, armadale is a small country town about six hours north of north west of sydney yeah it's up in the uh new england highlands uh, country town, it's got 10,000 people in it when uni's out and 30,000 people when uni's in. Wow. Uh, dealing with lots of country boys, which was full on. I was a city kid. I was a weird city kid that, you know, listened to house music and, and you know, played basketball when everyone listened to Garth Brooks and played football. Mm. So that was interesting. You know, it was a real culture shock for me. Yeah, totally. Did you find your tribe? Did you have a tribe there? Not really. Uh, I was one of in my college, I was one of two city kids out of 238. Wow. Like, it was very country. Yeah. There were a few of us. The basketballers probably would be the one. And then, obviously, when I started 
DJing that helped a lot as well because it, it doesn't matter what scene of people yeah doesn't matter what you look like or what you are if you stick someone in front of in front of a set of decks a microphone or a guitar yeah. they're instantly cool yeah that helped eventually yeah. but even then DJing wasn't what it was today like mm. you know it was all about live music so you, you know people want to beat you up because you, you're just playing records who are you so oh, you still wow. had that sort of stuff yeah. all my students used to call me a hipster because I used to say oh, I did that before it was cool but uh. it was literally I'm that old that I did it when it was yeah yeah when it was genuinely round. not cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I did I did yeah two years of that mm. um, and then I, as I said then I dropped out and then I was just a bum mm-hmm. you know but when I say a bum well, you I say a bum you were studying but just not in a formal sense correct of yeah not yeah paying absolutely for it. you know it's all a social construct the whole you must go to university it's kind of like people go to uni especially in Western culture, just because they don't know, it's just the given, it's the norm or it's expected, depending yeah. on obviously, your, you know, your the fortune of you your, yeah, exactly, yeah. and the fortune of your upbringing, if yeah. that's an option for you. But it's, yes, yeah, you can just as easily and more, depending on the personality, be doing learning in a different environment and it's of the same merit, you know, it's just... Well, a, if you know you, what makes it easier to learn oh, everything else, you know, agree, and that's yeah. the attitude I'll talk. I've got to, I've got to know who I am and what I want to do, you know, because all of the things I wanted to do were ways to escape mm. from being at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was an expedient way for me to get away from a crappy situation. Totally. You know? So this was more kind of inward facing this kind yeah, of journey, which is arguably so. the hardest thing to do. Like, But it's the hardest journey, but it's the most rewarding, man. Mm, you know, mm, like that's mm. with the Sabre Academy, that's what we find a lot with people is just no one's ever put any effort into themselves as a person they've mm. done what like my whole family were miserable bastards because they all did what they had to do and not what they wanted to do you know mm. my mum the reason I think my childhood was so rough was my mum always wanted to travel the world mm. and instead she did what she should do and became a nurse and got married and settled down and had kids and she just hated it and then when dad left she was stuck holding the kids you know and she was just really pissed about that yeah, and totally you can't help I was but be the bitter first, i got yeah. punished for it because i was the one that locked yeah. her down in the first place totally, you know what yeah, i mean you became symbolic of her kind of yeah not having fulfilled those dreams she had yeah you know so i just want to like don't get me wrong everything i've done is work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's much easier to deal with when you enjoy it oh 100%. you know it's you know if it's something you're passionate about then yeah you know like People go, oh, DJing's great. But when I say DJing, I used to do nine, 10, 11 hour sets. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's so insane. That's what I mean. None of this doing three wow. one hour sets in a night. I would do the whole night. And from... you had an audience for that time? Wow. Yeah, man. Is um, it long before lockout laws in Sydney? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in Armidale, I used to do nine to three. Yeah. When I was at Gosford, I used to do nine to five or nine to six. Working nine to five. Yeah, oh. you know, and when you, you don't get a lunch break, you know, toilet breaks are pretty rare so yeah yeah. that's class that's class madness so when did you start feeling like you had a handle on yourself when you started to know yourself kind of thing Uh, about a year ago yeah yeah (laughs) well even that's that's very reasonable like you know 99% of people are still searching it's honestly probably the last six months is where I'm feeling real comfortable in my skin you know like I could feel myself moving forward, but I really dig where I am now. I've got a family I love. I've got a business that's making a difference. Yeah. You know, I'm doing some stuff for me now too. I'm getting back into my model building and my DJing, which is important. Mm. You know, you need to look after you as well. And mm-hmm. like the Sabre School 
is a very emotionally intense job because you're working with people yeah, you know it's not you're there with them the whole time yeah. it's not like teaching like I've, like I was a school teacher for six years as well so it's not like teaching where you're trying to browbeat kids into learning what they need to learn that's very much a, a battle of the wills mm, you know whereas mm. this sort of teaching is showing people who they really are rather than who they see themselves as mm. does that make sense and really so are. it's very yes. emotionally yeah. sort of full on because you've got to oh, fully focus yeah. on the person yeah. and read small body language and work out where their goodwill hunting, it's not your fault point is, you know, where because mm. people often need to hear one thing and it, the skill is finding out the best time to tell them that where it will have maximum impact and minimum damage, mm. if that makes sense. Mm, mm, so, mm. you know, it's only now, like, my daughter's an awesome kid like I've got I'm my, my girlfriend Amanda I've been with for 15 years she's an amazing woman like she's she was stupid enough to let me start the business you know and she's really supportive and, and that sort of stuff so it's only sort of really now where I feel like I'm coming into my own in the business because for the I had someone else running the floor for the first three years of the business because I had to Oh, okay. We'd probably better explain what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, let's let people know. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sons of Obi Wan Lightsaber Academy. Yeah. What is it? Okay, so I was a school teacher for six years. I was a behavioural and learning support teacher, and I loved the kids. I loved the teaching, and I hated the system. I couldn't teach what the kids needed because I was too. The system had a doctrine they Cookie wanted me to teach. Kind of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's the sad yeah, reality of I suppose scaling past. 100,000 students or It's, it's not be. only that. The school system we have is a school system that was created in the 1850s yeah, to get totally. people ready to work in factories. Really archaic. Wear yeah, what I, I tell you to wear. Turn up at this time when the bell goes, move totally. here. Don't ask questions. Yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and I that's agree. not what school should be. School, no. school should be about... Igniting a passion and interest in things. Yeah, but, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Part of it is to teach you that there's crap in life you have to do mm. that you might not want to, but mm. it's about making people passionate about learning yeah. because the day you stop learning is the day you die and kids don't learn now so they're already dead totally do you understand totally. Yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah totally so it's, I, I completely agree it's so sad being at either school or university and talking to people going I can't wait to finish this and then I never have to do I never Ooh, have to like Australia some spider crawling on me oh god really a big one there he was yeah he was a good size one too oh wow there um, you go that's the nature nature realm for you yeah. but yeah it's, it's, I completely agree getting yeah. people passionate about learning that's it constant never ending improvement and always absolutely, learning absolutely man that's what it's all you about. know people are so busy working on their image that mm. they don't work on themselves so that's why people have midlife crises because you get to 40 and you, you go realize, yeah. I've got all this crap but who the hell am I you mm. know mm. I've always said the greatest thing I ever did was take that two years out and not take it as a gap year where I get pissed and travel the world but actually work on me because I've gotten to 40 and I absolutely dig where I'm at but we're digressing I tend mm. to do that yeah, yeah, yeah. so I started the I was trying to look for a way to teach an innovative way to teach life skills you know yeah. resilience um, enjoying learning working with others you know especially in the digital age people mm. don't do what we're doing here mm. Mm. you would not um, um, Bones talked about it in the story thank you for what you did with Yahoo yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that being on the spectrum she's not normally comfortable looking people in the eye that's not a spectrum thing that's you learn that sitting around the table talking to people, mm. you know, whereas people today are so focused down and digitally mm. that you don't develop that skill. So it's quite uncomfortable sitting there talking with someone. 
and I was trying to think of a way to do it, and I picked theatre combat, mm. um, which is the way people fight in movies. So it's not a, it's martially correct, but it's not a martial art. It's a non-contact activity. Everyone always knows where weapons are going at all times, and so it's a really good way to get people outside of their um, comfort zone. You know, um, straight up just having weapons flying at you is freaky enough by itself. You yeah. know, I yeah. mean, it doesn't bother me, but I've had. Drunks come at me with bottles and pool cues and whatever over the years. But even that, um, learning something you didn't think you could do. Mm. You know, like, I mean, you saw the spinning and that sort of stuff. Every mm. time I do it, people go, there's no way on God's green earth I can do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll show you how. And for those that don't know, spinning is? Oh, sorry. So, yeah, so the three things we teach are European longsword, which is your traditional Star Wars style fighting. We teach uh, Blintawak, which is an offshoot of uh, Filipino stick fighting or a screamer, or as the Americans call it, Carly. And uh, we do spinning and tricking, which is um, a bit like like what fire twirlers do, where you get a continuous spinning motion going, and it's it's mesmerising to watch. Dude, it's it's such a great thing because it unifies body and will and subconscious all together to do something. It's a really mm. cool thing to do. You get into that state of flow, right? Absolutely. You know, it's it's very it's very much a mindfulness thing yeah. because at the time all you need to worry about is you and the saber. You know, mm. it's not you the saber in the mirror who's watching that sort of thing. So originally I found that these life skills were needed for kids on the spectrum. I was a behavioral teacher mm-hmm. and I found out that all the special needs kids ended up in uh, in behavioural classes so I got a crash course like I wasn't a special needs specialist as I said I was behavioural I'm 6 foot 6 covered in tattoos and done 15 years of martial arts I was the guy that when you had an unruly class I would come in and kick heads until it settled down mm-hmm. and then i just hit all of these special needs kids and I'd see them going off and I'm like hang on that's not behavioural what's this so then I really got into studying special needs and that sort of thing Mm. so I started the business to teach life skills to kids on the spectrum and then I found out that everyone's special needs in their own way and someone everyone needs to learn the same lessons so it's just become this thing that we work with adults kids special needs autism at-risk youth uh, anxiety is a big one now as well. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've worked with spina bifida. Um, oh God, what else? Everything. Yeah. You totally. know. Yeah. Oh, and incredible. it's just developed into this thing that it is now. Oh mate, it's epic, absolutely epic. So I've, I've, we've got so much to dig into on that, but yeah. quickly bringing us up to there. So you passed over quickly. You were you were a teacher for six years. So yeah. How, so what was your journey after? After your two years... Um, At science. Then yeah. I, I did my course externally. It took me 10 years because I was working so much. Mm. Um, and so I started my history-English degree when I was 23. It yeah, took yeah. me until I was 32 to finish my BA. Wow. Just because... I was working so much, you'd start a course and then life would happen and, you know, yeah, you'd have yeah, to drop out and all that sort of thing. I see. And they facilitated that. They let you polish it off in that kind no, of time? I ended no, up, I, <laughs> I ended up with a 1.01 grade average and they kicked you out at one. Oh, really? Yeah, just because, you know, in there, you know, you had relationship breakups and moves. and oh, of course. You know, yeah. and when, you, when you're working that much, yeah. you don't have spare time. So when something pops up... Yeah. It just sort of wipes it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did a two-year teaching degree in one year, so I beat the Bachelor of Teaching. Smashed through that. that yeah, right, We literally yeah. started, 
I think it was 10th of February, finished 15th of December, no breaks, Ooh. five days a week, yeah. straight through. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I started teaching when I was 33, so I'm 44 now. And where was that? Near Sydney? or? Uh, no, no, no. I did my first prac at Central Coast Grammar, okay. which is a private, private school. school. Um, and then I did my second prac at Brisbane Water Secondary College, which is a really rough school on the mm. coast. Mm-hmm. And loved it. And then I started working as a casual for a couple of years or a year at Henry Kendall, which is another school on the Central Coast. Mm. And then I did four years at uh, b- uh, another school, Berkeley Vale, where I had a lot of run-ins with the principal. Mm. And that's what really... What, is. just butting heads about curriculum or how things should yes. be done? Yes. Yeah. The big thing I had was uh, NAPLAN. I don't know if you know what NAPLAN no, is. It's a standardised test they do in three years, three, five, seven and nine. The word standardised already. Spot on, right? <laughs> yeah. And because I was, I was a history teacher that got stuck in teaching English for six years. Yeah. And so they want the school to look good. Um, so they want the grades to be good. They want the grades Therefore, to be good. here's this one book, get them to read these poems, learn that. Yeah. No, no, you'd have to do three months of grammar with them. Wow. Right? Geez. Now, the kids I was that's working with... That's enough to put anyone off it, I think, That's it? it. And my year nine kids, on average, had a year five reading level. Yeah. And every year they would go, you need to teach them year nine grammar. And I'm like, no, let me get them from a year five Building to a year first. six yeah, yeah. reading level. Because if you teach them year nine, it's just going to make them feel dumb. Totally. Because totally. they... Like, and what's that going to do? Put them off. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, like, I would love to get my principal and go, right, son... We're going to do a fight. Let's go. And just yeah. throw him in the deep end and see how he feels to get him because... Totally, yeah. Do you want to do it again next week? No. That's exactly right. You yeah. know, and just flog him. Just yeah. absolutely flog him and yeah. go, yeah, right. You know, see that feeling, you know. And it's... I get it from his perspective because... Oh, look... He's just meeting metrics. But the school... The, the, the school system's broken, man. Mm, like, mm-hmm. they, they brought in a thing about 15 years ago called local schools, local decisions, which meant instead of the department deciding what's best for schools... They get a bit more individuality. They, the, the school is run by the principal. Interesting. Now, whilst that seems like it's good on paper, sure. the problem is they didn't train them how to run a $2 million business. Yeah, right. They yeah. didn't train them how to hire, how to fire. They were just dudes that had spent their whole career doing what the department told them and then it's just like okay go run my pretty you know totally and And some people would take that as an incredible well you know some people might be equipped but then the majority perhaps are like dude it's a skill it's it's the same idea it's just getting thrown in the deep end you know and it's and it's just everything's falling apart and you know mainstreaming has problems and it's just it's horrendous man Mm. you know Mm. and it's such a shame but yeah I just I couldn't I couldn't work in that system because I knew what the kids needed. Yeah. But I couldn't do that because that's what wasn't dictated by the department. You know. Yeah. So that's why I chose to open my own school. You so know. is that and what happened then? So you said goodbye to yeah. that particular one where you were butting heads with the headmaster. Yeah, I did a little bit of work at um, another school, um, which was rough. Like mm. the last class I taught were three 16-year-old footballers that had just got off a murder charge. Jesus. So I had them down and working in 20 minutes. Like wow. I'm talking, I had them in headlocks. I had a punch up in the first two minutes. Had them in headlocks. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I'm comfortable. That's mm. my mm. that's my happy space. That's where I work best. Yeah, yeah. But then. Um, we had some family issues and we were homeless for a while and I ended up... We um, being yourself or your students? No, 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 myself and my, 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 my girls, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we were sort of homeless for a couple of years and I ended up... What did you do in a couple of years? That's a long time. Dude, crash couches. Um, I ended up 
uh, Amanda's best friend, her dad has Alzheimer's. Who's Amanda, sorry? Oh, sorry, Amanda's uh, my, my partner, mm-hmm. my, my partner in crime. Mm. And my daughter's Halea, aka Snoop. Um, nice, great name. And where did you meet Amanda? <laughs> DJing. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I met her in a nightclub in Gosford and nice. I ruined her because she met me when I was superstar DJ Oldball Paul and then she met, found out I'm this horrible nerd that's into Star Wars and the stuff. The old bait and switch. Classic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Um, but you, sorry, you became good friends with her. Oh yeah, well, her best friend, her dad had Alzheimer's, but mm. he was quite young and fit, like mm-hmm. he was sixty-seven. Mm, mm. So I, we, I spent a couple of years looking after him mm. for Haiti because she knew I'd be able to take him down without hurting him. Mm. You know, because he he tended to get a bit violent towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, so that was how we paid paid rent. You know, mm-hmm. it was just it was one of those things. We helped some family out, and it wiped us out financially. And mm-hmm. so once you sort of out of that loop, it's really hard to oh, get back into it. Hugely, hugely. And I think yeah. even just my brief experience with like fines and stuff like that here, it seems so draconian. And then I just watched a documentary just last night. It's right it's on the top of my mind about payday loans and that kind of whole vicious circle that could be so easy to drop into if you're living that close to the breadline kind of thing. It's yeah, I mean, like, we were both working and we were both making money, but yeah. the problem is we were sort of helping my partner's family as well, so we were supporting six six people Jesus, off two wages. So much toast that the butter can That's what I mean, over, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, like, we did it because they're family and they needed the help, mm-hmm. but... You know, like it wasn't until mum died and I got my inheritance, that's when it sort of balanced everything out. Mm, but, um, mm. yeah, so we did that for a while and then, so I had a couple of years off when I was doing that and that's when sort of mum's money started coming in and that's when I started thinking about this and started mm. planning it. And Is that a surprise to you? Um, Having an inheritance from your mum? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so... Because you said you cut off comms at 23, right? So Yeah, but my mum loved seeing people fight so mm. she thought if I didn't leave a will she didn't leave a will mm. my brother and I'd have to fight it out and she didn't realise that legally if there's no will it's a 50-50 split wow. so that's how it sort of happened wow. and um, yeah so I just started thinking about it and planning it and I went and did some training with um, Kyle Rowling who was a fight choreographer for Star Wars and how did you track him down? Dude, he's, he's got a studio 10 minutes from here. Amazing. Oh, well, where did they film episodes one, two, and three in Sydney? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he was he was a local. Um, as I said, I you know I knew martial arts, but I didn't know anything about theatre combat, so I just did a lot of research. I'm one of those people I like to know what I'm going into. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I researched the sabre scene and, and, you know, whether I wanted to do combat or theatre combat and how I wanted to... Because this hasn't been done before. No. This is an absolute pilot program it's Mm. never been done before so it took me a year of just getting my head around it just Mm. to start Mm. um and then it took me four years or three years to get people to take me seriously totally well i mean i remember you saying in our doc interview that yeah, the very fact that it is so novel, no one you had to fund everything yourself right Uh, correct yeah the space 240 grand into it i think Jeez. Yeah, because it's just, it sounds, on paper, it sounds dumb. Like, now we've been doing it and people totally. know what we do. Yeah. But it's just it's incomprehensible, right? It's just something that if you're not in that world or you you have to see it to understand and believe it kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so... It piques your interest. Like, everyone I've told in the office when I was doing, uh, in the run-ups coming up the dock, they say, oh, wow, what's that? Like, 
they were like, you do what? And I was like, just wait till the doc's out. You'll see, you'll see. That's yeah. what I mean, because it's people think, <laughs> my greatest fear, have you ever seen the video of Star Wars Kid, the fat kid that the, the was doing all the twirls and stuff I with the lightsaber? So, yes. Yeah, that was, that was how I was sort of seen. I'm like a, you know, sure. a fat nerd swinging sabers. Sure. But there's a whole background to it that unless you see it and experience it, mm. people just don't mm. get it, mm. you know? Mm. Mm. And that's why it's taken... So the four-year slog... What, yeah. were you, what were you up to in that four years? Dude, um, I had another guy... Had you found a space by this point? When did you find the space? Um, May so 4th, based in Tugra. 2015. No. Yeah, man, that's did you what, plan that? No, it just happened no. to be. That, that's why I've got the saber on my arm. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. It's the Star Wars holy day. Wow. Um, that's it, a tattoo he's referring to. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took me four months to find the right space that wasn't going to cost me too much money, you know, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to... Like, when I say I dumped a lot of money in, I didn't know how long it was going to take, if, if, well, it, if yeah. it would take off, you know. a piece of string, you never know, do you? Yeah. yeah, it took me three months to find someone to insure me. Yeah. We ended up being insured by Lloyds of London. We're oh, the only wow. lightsaber school insured by Lloyds of London. Yeah. Which the history nerd and me love because they were the same guys that insured James Cook's trip that found Australia really? in 1770. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then, you know, researching lightsabers and stuff to use and I found a company and started using their lightsabers and broke 40,000 bucks worth of lightsabers in Jeez six months. Louise. Um, so it was a lot of just running around screaming with my hands in the air like Kevin from Home Alone, just yeah. trying to work out what to do and where we're going. Like I started this as a three day a week nerdy I was going to say, were you, at this, were you at this full time at this point? What yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was yeah. full time from the start. Sure. I mean, that's the advantage, the, you know, like with the inheritance, we bought a house and, Amazing, you know, we yeah. got ourselves set up so that I sure. could yeah. do that. You know, yeah. it's chasing a dream. As I said, Amanda was stupid enough to let me try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I said to her, you know, I said, we've got money, I'm going to start a business. She, you know, she said, what? And I said, a cyber school. And she was like, damn it. <laughs> and she went, no. Like, she was like, but why? And, and she looked in my eye and she went, I've never seen you so sure of anything in your life. And I went, just trust me, it's going to work. Amazing. And then six months in, you know, we... Did 140 press interviews in six weeks. Totally, and yeah, because that was around the release of... of Ep7. Yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars Episode, episode 7. 7. Yeah, so you know, I remember you famously said that you didn't do any paid promo or marketing. So no, I to. still haven't. Amazing. I, my whole marketing budget for the business in four years was a $2,000 radio campaign the week we opened and stickering my van. Fantastic. And that's it, you know, it's because I'm a bit old school, I'd rather build it Word organically and find out where it goes, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like... So if you open a cafe, you know what you need to do and then it's just a matter of getting people mm. to, you know, come and buy your coffee rather than someone else's. Whereas yeah. something like this, I didn't know what the business was going to be. Like, yeah. I couldn't have envisioned... I made all my five-year goals in six months and I made all my 10-year goals in 11 months. Wow. So since then, I've just been winging it. Wow. Yeah, so... Riding the wave. Yeah, you know, just seeing, I just say yes to everything and work it out later and see where it takes me. And since then, we've become a touring company and we work with at-risk youth and schools and we work with Supernova, which is like the biggest uh, convention company in Australia. And they do, do for, for those that don't know, they do conventions of... Uh, pop, pop culture conventions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's celebs there and all that sort of stuff. So we travel with them. etc. movies. Correct, like yeah. That. Uh, two weeks ago we met uh, John Travolta. Oh, really? And I met Deborah Ann Wall, who was from True Blood. She was Jessica on True Blood. I was pretty happy about that. Nice, yeah. Um, 
And well, when you met. say we, who do you mean? Uh, we and the team, myself yeah. and the team. And, yeah. the, and who's the team? So, um, is it are this are these like staff or no, what? no, no? So, um, once you sort of re- if you really get involved, our advanced program is where you come out and tour with us. Mm. So, that has a whole different set of life skills that's performing in front of people, getting comfortable talking to people, mm. um, marketing, media training, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, that's sort of the advanced mm. class because and that's all conducted by yourself absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's where the, the the guys in the um the story were the advanced class i see so yeah. you know we go a lot deeper into fight theory mm-hmm. so understanding why it needs to look the way it looks and that sort of thing and then as i said like you know we take you out to events uh, we just found out hopefully i think we should be doing the red carpet in sydney in a couple of weeks which no would be really way. cool Congrats. Yeah, so that's awesome bones and d thank you for coming to that so we good. went down to the mandalorian blue carpet yeah um that's so fantastic. that's the sort of advanced side because as i said then you're, you're doing interviews yeah. and and talking to people like that's a whole different oh, set of skills yep. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so and i need to get them to a point where they're ready to do that like 100%. you know i've been a dj and i worked in radio and i've done all sorts of stuff so i've sort of picked all of that up on the way but mm. you have to have a pretty weird sort of uh life path mm. to mm. be able to pick up those skills so mm. by me taking them out it's sort of kick-starting them none of them are going to go into media but that ability because like once you've spoken or once you've performed in front of a thousand people everything else is easy it helps to reset what's hard and what's not and what's challenging and what's not yeah so what they do with that is their choice but that's what it's about it's about getting them outside of their comfort zone and learning and challenging them. So, well, Bones, that was the first time she's ever done an interview. Incredible. Yeah, you so know, cool. and she's on the spectrum and, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So it's 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 the whole academy, like that's why we're an academy. A school teaches you rhetoric. An academy teaches you about you, oh. you know, and different people need to learn different things. You know, some people need to be built up. Some people need to be knocked down mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. as much. And I don't mean that in a nasty way. Some mm. people really need to check themselves, check yeah. themselves before yeah. they wreck themselves, yeah. Yeah. to quote the immortalized cube. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and... How long does it take to get them onboarded and how many have you got How long's onboarded? a piece of string, sir? Yeah. You so, know... Uh, Bones has been with us for nine months and she's on the con team. Dylan's been training for three years and he's on the con team. Jesse's been with us for four years and he's on the con team, you know. So it's when I feel they're ready rather than when they feel they're ready. Yeah. Because if you wait until you're ready, you'll never be ready. I see. Yeah, so yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So you're more of the, the pusher. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. You know, like I won't well, do it. Well you need someone, yeah, yeah, of course. I won't do it until I feel they're ready. Yeah. Like of it's a, yeah. it's an educated decision. Yeah. But yeah, you know Fantastic. That's and great. People work best, I found if it's done in a supportive way, people work 100%. best when they're thrown in the deep end. Yeah. Because that's when you learn that that life is life is eternally in the deep end. No matter totally. how much you whistle in the dark and you totally. don't think it is, yeah. it's always in the deep end. Totally. You know, and if you embrace that deep end, yeah. you know, it's yeah. ev- the world's your oyster. That's I live uncertainty is my best friend. Yeah. Because that's where I work best, because that's when you're on the ground thinking and changing and that's where all the great stuff happens because like if I had said this is what I want the business to be and stuck to that plan, mm. it wouldn't be what it is, mm. you know, because the best laid plans of mice and men, sir, mm. you know, so instead of making a decision and sticking to it, 
you have the vision and then go where it takes you rather than where you want it to go. Mm. You know, and that's mm. a that's a very important life lesson because if you have your eye on a goal mm -hmm. to the ex destruction of all else, mm. even if you do reach that goal, it's mm. never going to be satisfying because totally. you've wrecked everything else on the way. It's a lesson in acceptance and being present as well. That's it? it. You know, yeah. just be in the moment and work out where you need to be right now. Mm. The future doesn't matter. The past doesn't matter. What's happening here now that will move you on mm. and as long as you come at everything with passion and positivity it will work out in the end it won't work out the way you wanted it to mm. but it will work out if you keep at it and stay positive and be aware and make sure you get rid of negative around you that's a big thing as well mm. you know this is a very negative world these days so make sure you surround yourself with positive people yeah you know and then just live your life you know mm. it's it's don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't have a goal, but funny things happen on the road to that goal, you know, and if you embrace them and follow, I'm a big believer in that you have a path, mm. you know, and it's like when I say a path, I don't mean I'm meant to be Prime Minister. It's just there's a path you need to follow. And if you pay attention to where you, where you need to go and what you need to do, all of a sudden life gets easier because you're where you need to be. You know, that's my philosophy. That's always worked for me. And that's, you know, as I said, with this, I knew I needed to do this. Mm. Don't know why. Drawn it's, to it. It's dumb, but yeah. in my heart I knew I needed to do it. So I went right and did it. But then I've just followed the journey from there and always just tried to keep it on track, you know. Incredible, man. Yeah. So what would you say to yourself, if anything, knowing what you know now to your 15-year-old <laughs> self? It's really funny. Um... My daughter's a dancer. Mm -hmm. She's 10 years old. She mm -hmm. dances at the Nikki Webster Dance School. You're, you're English. You wouldn't know who Nikki Webster is. She was the little girl that sang at the 2000 Olympics, the little 10-year-old girl oh, wow. that swung in and sung. Yeah. Um, for the Aussies, she sang Strawberry Kisses. Nice. Um, and about a month ago, she had a dance recital in my old school hall. Mm. where I used to go to school, right? And it was really funny because I was... I pulled down memory lane at the same time. Well, I wow. had a heap of work to do. Like, yeah. I was there for 12... Oh, it's a papa. Hello, Hello. papa. How are you? <laughs> you going to have a sniff? Oh, I'm even getting the kisses. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah. yeah, you were good. And it was really funny because... I had to set up a desk and chairs and they were the same desk and chairs I did when I was doing my HSC no. when I was a fat, nervous wreck. Wow. And I was sitting there redoing my website, getting ready for all the press that's going to come up. Sure. And I'm sitting there watching my daughter on the stage in the hall while I'm going through my celeb photos of me with like Stan Lee and that. And it was a really weird totally. moment. Um, I just say, keep on trucking, man. You know, because all the decisions good and bad I've made have led me here. Mm. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't dabble. I would just go, you'll make it. Mm. Just keep going. That'd be it. Just keep on trucking, man. Yeah. You know, it's... I would never have guessed I would be 40-year-old sitting there doing that, but I was, you know, and it was, it was a really, really satisfying thing to be able to sit there and go, I'm a self-made man doing something that's... The beauty of what I do is it's never been done before. It's not often you get to do something that's never been done before, you know, mm -hmm. and it's exciting and it's challenging and, yeah, it was it was a really cool moment that the struggles were worth it. All the crap I've been through and how mm -hmm. hard I've worked has mm -hmm. paid off, you know, and it was, it was nice. It was mm -hmm. really nice, yeah. So what books would you recommend for me, keeping on that journey hype? 
have it give it a fit doesn't have to be any top or whatever no, no, but just ones right. that are really really June something by Frank Herbert okay okay uh, made into an awesome film in the 80s with Kyle MacLachlan and all of that and Dennis Dennis Villeneuve is doing a new version next year Ooh. that was the book that taught me about politics and religion and it's a uh, actually did a, a course on it um, June is a fictional world history and it's looking at a it looks at religion and politics and ecology and if you read it once as a sci-fi book mm-hmm. and then switch your anthropo- anthropology brain on and read it it'll melt your head wow um, June I'll definitely write that down that sounds awesome um, as a documentarian have you read Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces I have and yes. I must read it reread it sorry it's fantastic yep um Another one I love was Shogun by James Clavell. Okay. Okay, so James Clavell is an Aussie. Um, Aussie or a Pom? I can't remember one of the two. Um, He was the world's foremost Western expert on Japanese thought and culture. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a... There was. It's based on a true story. There was a dude called Samurai William who was a... um, a guy that got shipwrecked in Japan in the early 1600s. It was during the, the Tokugawa period where they shut themselves off for 200 years. Mm. And um, he ended up becoming a samurai. Wow. So he just ended up falling in with someone and then it happened. So it's a fictionalised version of that. But that's what got me into Zen and the mm. tea ceremony and bonsai. Totally. And that, that real... That kind of, oh, I love that respect, that culture, that tradition. I, I love that. I'm Dude, going to Japan in February next year. I cannot, oh, cannot it's cannot one wait. place I've always wanted to go and I haven't been oh, yet. I cannot wait. Yeah, I've, I've always been enchanted by that kind of that world. I mean, the fact that they shut themselves off the rest of the world for over a century, you know. And 200, such 200 a, years. It was until yeah. the Meiji Restoration period in yeah. 1861. And, like, and that's what's dis- developed such a distinct sense of self, you know, that whole ritual. And then, you know, again, the psychological phenomena of the tea does taste better, even though it's the same tea, because of the ritual, because of that drinking work you've put into from it. A, drinking char from an empty cup. Yeah. Okay. You'll read it one day and go, hey! Okay, right? That's, okay. Well, I really dug that. It's the the concept of, of being that in the now that you can drink tea from an empty cup. Oh, and wow. And taste it and smell it. And, Amazing. Yeah. That reminds me of that scene from Hook yeah, with um, where Robin Williams plays Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's sitting down for dinner with the Lost Boys. Oh, yes. At the yeah, empty, yeah, at the yeah, empty yeah. table. Yeah. Um, the Art of imagine War. it, Peter? The, the Art, Art of War. War by Sun Tzu. Okay. Um... Books, 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 books. Um, John Douglas, my, uh, John Douglas, John Douglas, Mind Hunter. Oh. He's the guy that created the behavioural uh, psychology unit at Quantico. Yeah. Have you have you seen a Netflix show called Mind Hunter? I was going to say of the same name. That um, that was taken from the book. Wow. So if you're into psychology and stuff, yeah. that's into abnormal psychology. Like, as I said, my mum was a psychopath. Right. Mm. There's a there's a test called the Bob O'Hare psychopath test Mm. and it's what's used to decide whether someone's a psychopath or not and there's 40 questions. If you get yes on over 20 of them, Mm. you're clinically considered a psychopath. My mum got 36. Wow. Right? So I've studied... psychopathy for 20 years because I had to understand... Of course, yeah. ...what, like... Your proximity to it is closer than and anyone well, else. Everyone always goes, your mother will always love you. And my mum never ticked that. So why, you know? And then at first I was like, oh, she hated me. Mm-hmm. But then, so I had, a, I have a brother. Um, so when I was a kid, I was the target and he was the golden child, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. when I left, 
it flipped and he became the target. And that's when I went, right, it's not that she hates me, there's something else mm. going on there. You something know, about that status, the oldest. John mm. Ronson did an extra excellent book called The Psychopath Test as well. Mm. Have you read much of John Ronson's stuff? I can't say I have, no. Dude, get into John Ronson. He... Um, He's English. He's a documentarian. You need. You need to get into. John you Ronson. need John. No I'm sure, down, it's, I'm sure it's John Ronson. I'm having. I'm having brain farts now. Hang on. Yeah, John Ronson. J O N. John Ronson. Okay. Um, his stuff is amazing. He he will just pick a topic and dig into it. He did a really. He did a really good one on psychopaths. Um, I, I like recommending psychology books because yeah, if you same. understand others, that becomes a mirror to understanding yourself. No, I agree. I agree. I've been looking uh, for these kind of books. One more That's fun book. One more fun book. No, they'd be they'd be my That's picks. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. June and June and Shogun and um Star Wars man. Like, yeah. Obviously. I mean, yeah, I've never read the Star Wars books. There, there are, but the original trilogy. So. Um, the reason Dune and Star Wars are my two favourite properties because Dune taught me about the outer world and Star Wars taught me about the inner world. Mm. You know, um, yes. Yoda, Yoda is Zen Buddhism light. Yeah, you know so what I mean. True. Yeah, and, I and they were the things. And oh, Karate Kid, they were yeah. the things that ignited. Because you were talking about culture, right? Yeah. Being Australian, we have no culture. Mm. We're too young to have a culture. Mm, you know, people mm, are so like, nice you know, yeah, yeah. you know, football, football, meat, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Mm. My family weren't religious. They white as white can be. Like we're, we're probably the most Australian people outside of Aboriginals. My one side came out on the first fleet, and the other side came out on the second fleet. Wow! So we don't. That's why I fell in love with Japanese culture because I wanted something. Because I don't have a cultural core to hook into. That's why I really got into Japanese culture. You know, mm. I love that idea of bettering self and mindfulness and all that. And that, as I said, that was the stuff that really got me kickstarted on my path. Fascinating. What yeah, do you think man. about the way Japanese culture's gone now with, um, I can't remember the name of it, but like uh, men that are married to their companies and oh, this kind the of men. Yeah. Um, well, it's the same thing they've been doing forever, but instead of a, a feudal lord, it's a company, you know, mm. so it's, it's actually the same. Interesting. It's same, same. It's same, same, but different. It's just because there's like, don't get me wrong, Japanese culture's messed up. In a lot of ways as well, mm. you know. You know, I'm I'm cherry picking the bits I of like. Course. Don't yeah, get yeah, me yeah, wrong, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, the absolute must follow orders without any form of thought. Like that's one of the negative sides of it, you totally know. But right. I mean, I think the f it's, it comes from being a warrior culture, you know. Like that's why the Japanese are so um, comfortable with death. Yeah. Because you live in a land that is forever having earthquakes and volcanoes. Totally, yeah. And then it came out of a warrior culture. You never know when you should die, so be at peace with that. You yeah. know, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just echoes of a warrior culture. You know, yeah. it's really interesting when you study warrior cultures, when you look at the Maoris as well, you know, very similar sort of fracturing is happening because totally. when there's no more wars left for, to fight, what do you do with those elements of the culture? Totally, yeah. Well, I mean, sadly, death and war are life's biggest change agents, right? Where yeah. Be the space race, you know, giving us technology such as GPS and all of that, or yeah. you know, it's always been around. That's why European countries probably push forward quicker than more isolated countries. They didn't have as much going on, an arms oh, race. Oh, oh, they had their own wars. It's just Europe's crowded, man. Yeah, yeah. they had to get out. You know, yeah, yeah. to quote 
you know, the the Nazi idea of, of Lebensraum, living space, you know, mm. and it was it was a spatial fixing, yeah, you know, yeah. like you know, everyone was packed out, you know, what's the best way to get crim- get rid of criminals? We'll ship them over here, you know, yeah. um, you know, what's the best way to prove your empire is the best? Have the biggest empire, mm. you know, like mm. that's why it's really interesting when you look at the Dutch and the Germans because they came in real late, you know, and seeing them pick up the table scraps of everyone else, and that's that's reflected in World War One because everyone got into the empire building early and the Germans didn't, so they had to do it in the 20th century. You know, Mm -hmm. they got the Congo and they got a few islands out in the Pacific, so that's where a lot of the German stuff comes from, is that everyone else has great empires, we don't. We'll start in Europe and work our way out. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I think... (laughs) Sorry, that was a very random and wide-ranging discussion. No, 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 that's exactly what this thing's about, this is... uh, just inspiring to chat to someone so well read and um, oh, interesting you, in general yeah oh mate we'll, we'll certainly have to revisit this another time yeah, because sure. there's far too much to cover in one base but for the moment let's go down our final few questions that for I'm sure. stolen from uh, the Bully and the Culture or uh, James Lipton's Inside the Actors Studio sorry uh, it's a series of oh, 10 yeah, questions oh yeah 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 you know, final questions cool cool yeah, alright yeah, yeah, yeah. let me get comfortable yeah, alright let's on. do this go alright we're both both lying down now in the park very chill <sighs> Favourite, no in particular order, favourite curse word? Uh, Cocksmoker. Cocksmoker? Yeah, it's wow. Kevin Smith. That's yeah. brilliant. That, I mean, that and fuck probably because I'm Australian. Yeah, yeah. nice. Cox, no, we'll keep Cocksmoker. That's unique. I've never yeah, had that before yep. on the show. Um, least favourite word to hear? No. No, nice, nice. I could have, yeah, repackaged that question as in least uh, favourite that characteristic of a person my girlfriend will laugh but ego ego yeah. just because it builds a false sense of who they are ego is the enemy within yeah it's a good book as well check that out what was it ego is the enemy within yeah alright done I'll check it out yeah job that you'd most like to try other than your own Look, I've been asked that before, and in all honesty, I've explored everything I've wanted to do and found where I am, so I don't really... Incredible. That's you know, the definition of a life well lived, isn't it? Dude, look, probably... Okay, it's sort of related to this, but probably getting back out into the teaching community and talking to them about new ways to teach probably because mm. I mean mm. that's the aim of the sons is it's a test bed for educational ideas so mm. it's not that I, w- it's, I want it as a job that I don't have it's more a natural progression yeah, totally. for the next step on from what I'm doing totally yeah this sounds yeah future plans yeah watch yeah, this yeah. space yeah um, what is your most used gadget or thing in day to day life Probably my phone. Your phone, yeah. I mean, the joys of being in this day and age is you've got to constantly be on social media. But sure. it's my. Is that I, the most used app within your phone? What is that? Pro- according to my girlfriend, yes. Yeah. Um, I use, but it's also a tool of education for me. You mm-hmm. know, like you saw me as soon as I could remember something straight on Google. You yeah. Know, I'm. I hate not knowing the answer to things. Sure. So I am often just researching stuff. You know, I come from an era when you used to have to go to the library and hit the card catalogue and totally. hope the book so was in. So this is like winning the lottery. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I just, whatever tickles my fancy, I'm constantly looking up stuff and researching stuff. So it'd be Google slash social media. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. Um, what's a... 
what's a daily practice that you do and that and even if you don't do it what would you recommend one daily practice be meditation meditation do mean, you, and you do that uh, try to no it's not I don't sit in a corner and go on mm-hmm. um, my meditation's my model building it's spinning mm. you know mm. um, being present yeah. being present you know so I when I say I've evolved beyond meditation it's not that I'm a higher being it's just I've found other ways to achieve that same state of mind totally, totally. you know I <laughs> when I'm teaching guys with anxiety right people with anxiety run at a 9 out of 10 mm. I'm practice mindfulness and being calm so much my flustered is a two Mm. do you get Mm. what i mean so Mm. it's not like you know i just do little things during the day just stopping and looking Mm. stopping and looking you Mm. know like driving down and noticing a pretty cloud or damn that's a cool looking tree that'd make a great bonsai you know Mm. that's just mindfulness just being being in the now you've got your spider Off He's back. Goes, son. Jeez, he <laughs> likes me. Um, yeah, just just being aware of what's noticing the small details, life's little ironies, you know. Um, Stopping and smelling the roses. It's been around for time immemorial. Yeah, you're right. When I was walking up here, I stopped. I, I'm going to go back and take a photo of it. it. Was an old shop with a really rusty front, and I'm going to go and take a photo of Beautiful. it because I'm going to use that as a. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? As a source for when I'm painting rusty models. Ah, Do you understand yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. always yeah. looking for little things of inspiration around that's you. That's why I love yeah, photography. It's, it's given me that practice of just seeing the world. As it is as opposed to totally, yeah. the or Just noticing the beauty within the mundane. Absolutely, because you know. yeah. it's there everywhere. You know, it's... it's Oh, dude, the way the light refracts at the moment because of all the bushfires. Mm, it's mm, just yeah. little things, man. Very beauty, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's class. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Thank you. Um, drawing blanks now, so I'll go to my final one. If heaven exists, what would you like St. Peter to say to you at the pearly gates? Head back down and do it again. Yeah. Because you can never learn everything in one lifetime. The journey's so nice, he took it twice. Dude, oh, look, you know, I'm, I just love learning. Yeah. You know, like, heaven sort of scares me a bit, because then it's all just static, mm. you know. Well, I, you never know, mate, if you believe in heaven, it could be, oh, it could be learning central. I'm a, yeah. I'm a reincarnation person. Oh, um, wow. What do you think you would come back as at the moment? Whatever I need to learn. Mm. You know, okay. like... I look at reincarnation. Um, I don't know if you used to have them, right? Mm. But we used to have these piggy banks that schools used to give you when you were a kid. Mm. And there was tubes that you could put all the coins in and there was a marker going up each one to tell you how much money you had. Oh, that's right? good. So like a rudimentary introduction to savings. Correct, right? That's good. And Sponsored so, by Combank. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I look at it is that's life. You've got anger. Say, say you've got you know love, anger, hatred, passion, Whatever, right? Mm. You know, whatever the life lessons are you need to learn. Yeah. And so that when people sit there and go, I might come back as a tyrant next time because I've been such a peace, love and mung beans guy. I've filled up more of the peace, love and mung beans section. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So that's sort of, I look at everything as as learning and, and yeah, man. I mean, look, I don't, you know, probably... I don't, I don't know. I don't have an end game in mind. You know, I'm just 
here and now and you I know. I think you said it perfectly, mate. Yeah. Go back and do it again. I think yeah. that's a fantastic way to conclude it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, until we do this again. Done. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank mate. you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. Fantastic. So, guys, if you want to keep up with Luke's work, where can we find you, actually? Uh, www.sonsofobiwine.com mm-hmm. or Sons of Obi Wine AU on Facebook or Sons of Obi Wine on Instagram, Twitter. I don't do Snapchat. I'm too old for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or just look at your local convention. We keep turning up like bad pennies everywhere. Look, look for the van. You'll see us around. Fantastic. There you go, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm sure there's been at least one or two gems in there that you can take out with you into your working living days as well. Meditate. That's one that stuck with me again. Get back to being zen, being present. And until next week, I'll catch you later. Bye.